1: This is the CHGO Cubs Podcast presented by Pointsbet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to two thousand dollars. That code again is CHGO when you sign up at Pointsbet. Hello everyone, my name is Corey. I am joined as always by Brendan and and this time we are coming to you on Sunday evening. It is March 27th, and we are opening day is looming ever closer. Brendan, we are uh, about like a week and a half away from baseball mm-hmm. at Wrigley Field. Can't wait. Even watching the spring
0: games today, starting to settle in a little bit, you know, you're seeing some like more. Uh, cuts some roster trimming although we did see some of the younger guys today but it's starting to feel like for the first time it's sinking into me that opening days are right around the corner
1: yeah and we're getting into that period where you know you're never necessarily sure but you're getting to that point where you can kind of start looking at the lineups and saying okay like what david ross is thinking who's playing where who's getting this playing time it's it's getting to that uh let's read into things point of the spring It is. And I'm maybe reading too much into things, like even extracting different
0: quotes from David Ross and thinking, huh, you know, maybe, for example, we'll get into it today, but maybe like Michael Hermosillo, when Ross is talking about him, like I'm reading into David Ross's words. So I'm already doing that. Maybe I'm ahead of you or other people and trying to figure out what our outfield and center field situation will look like.
1: Oh hey, you know me, and we we I talked about this with uh, <laughs> Luke, Ryan, and Cody, in, in the studio on Friday. I, I'm already preemptively mad about some things that are happening, and they haven't even happened yet. So well, I'm that's, in, a, I'm that's, in a, that's a healthy way of looking right? at it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you want to just like get the madness like already ahead of you, you know, just to be like prepared when it actually happens. So I support that. I think it's a great idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had a lockout. Yeah. We're coming off of, you know, the, the COVID-shortened season not too long ago. I miss being irate about things that are completely out of my control on a baseball team that I have no affiliation with.
0: No? Well, it's never going to go away. This is how you are, and this is how you always will be.
1: It's how I feel alive, Brendan. Yes, it's your only way of living. <laughs> yeah, when I when I stopped complaining about the Cubs lineup and positioning, I know you'll wrong. know that something is wrong. Yeah, I know. I have to like call nine one one. Yeah, it's something. time to put yeah. me in a home when I don't <laughs> yeah. care about that anymore. Uh, all right. Anyway, we there. There's plenty to talk about. Um, but I think today predominantly we'll, we'll touch on on some other stuff. But want to take a look at kind of uh, maybe not some uh unheralded guys but taking a look at some of the guys we haven't really dug into too much and sort of asking like what their role may be and what do they need to do to be successful because i think that's obviously going to be a key for this cub season is guys who are going to be put in specific positions specific matchups specific platoons and and what what do we need to see from them what is the possibility of them hitting the ceiling and doing mm-hmm. the things that they would need to for this all to work in a way that the Cubs are, are competitive, kind of out of the gate here. Um, but it's also I- interesting today, Brendan, earlier on on Sunday, Kyle Hendricks went three innings, uh, struck out five and only walked one, but did give up four runs. So I'm, I'm fully expecting that there are uh, some folks out there that are uh, kind of like me, you know, ready to complain about the lineup. They're they're ready to panic about Kyle Hendricks. No matter how many times you and and the rest of our our CHGO guys uh, implore them not to worry about Kyle, I'm 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 just assuming that four runs in a spring training game, even though none of this matters, is uh, going to work <laughs> some people up.
0: Well, I'm not I'm not allowed to be worried about Kyle Hendricks. If I'm worried about Hendricks, then something's wrong. Like. For my personal mental health, I can't let myself worry about him. He's the anchor. He's the stability. But even looking at him today, like five strikeouts, one walk, yeah, the four runs, stuff looked good. Arizona is a different place to pitch outside. The ball carries better. So there's nothing to be worried about. If Kyle says he feels good, if you do see whiffs, you see command, that's all that matters. The the contact that comes with it, you know, in that type of sample size, it is random, and the ball does carry differently outside in Arizona.
1: Yeah, we also continue, uh, you know, to get some of this Wilson Contreras talk. Uh, we've talked about this a good bit, um, you know, during the daily shows, uh, again, with Cody Ryan and Luke. And so I, I don't think we're going to delve too much into this, but it, it is just one of those things, whether you believe rumors and you have opinions on the sources of the rumors and things like that it's it's out there, right? Whether there is a fire behind all of this smoke, I can't tell you. But clearly, you know, I think if people are calling the Cubs, you get the sense that they are listening. So as we've done in the past, and as we certainly did at the trade deadline last year, all I would really tell you is that if Wilson Contreras is your favorite player, I would prepare for this possibility. I I don't know if it will come to pass. And really all of us on on the chgo feed have expressed i think our clear opinions on whether that might be a good endeavor or a bad endeavor but without knowing more than that i would just tell you like clearly this is something that might happen Mm -hmm. and if it does we'll flesh it all out if it doesn't we'll flesh that out too but it should for better or worse be on your radar at the moment
0: Yeah, it's on Wilson's radar. Very much on his radar. Right. So if it's on his radar, then by default, it has to be on our radar as well. I would be shocked if it happens this close to opening day. It it might be difficult for a team to acclimate a new starting catcher for their uh, pitching staff. So I guess it could happen, but the amount of teams that want to do that, that are willing to give up substantial players to do that might be few. And as a result, the market may not be as robust that Jed would be willing to give up Wilson for you know one or two different type of trade partners. The likely outcome for, for me is that they look at this during the trade deadline when you have more suitors who are more willing to give up um, maybe more prospects or immediate value, and you just have more teams looking into it. So I doubt it happens, but I guess you do have to be aware that the possibility does exist.
1: Right. So that's yeah, I mean, again, like nothing has really changed. It's just something that's out there. Um mm-hmm. as as always, we will uh Would you eat. be mad? Would you be like I know you talked about it with like, you know, Cody, Luke and yeah. the guys, but like would you be furious to the degree that you and I were mad when you Darvish was dealt last week? It, uh, it two would years depend ago. on what the return was and yeah. I would you know, I would want to hear from Jed as far as like you know, because the immediate reaction to something like that is, um, as, as we've discussed, like in a vacuum, like extending him, I can make sense of it. Trading him, I can make sense of it. I can make sense of just about anything. But what's harder to square is like you've insisted many times that this is not a rebuild. This is not a lengthy rebuild like we saw before. I would have some trouble squaring that with uh, not keeping any of four guys Mm -hmm. who are above average, uh, sometimes much more than above average, at their respective positions, and having a roster that if you traded Contreras would have—correct me if I'm wrong, Brendan, zero— like reliable sure position players it would literally be zero right and that's not to discount like what i believe say a suzuki is going to come in and do and the potential of some of these guys but in terms of reliable project them right the stat line you know what's going to be there if you traded contreras the number is zero so how that squares with a prospect system that is mostly on the younger lower level side Mm. and just like the phrasing like that certainly sounds like a rebuild to me unless you plan on spending a boatload of money in this next off season and you know they can make more trades and stuff but that would be where i i don't know if that would make me angry i'd have to see what how how it's all playing out but like that would be my reaction is like okay like i can make sense of this but this certainly seems like you're not really doing what you just told us you were going to be doing
0: and I get that perspective, and I don't want to get like too much into it now because we have a lot to talk about. But the one question that that I think about personally about my emotions with Wilson is: Would I be comfortable right now giving Wilson eighty to ninety million for four years? And I I pose a question to you, and maybe you are right. Uh, for me, I think about it like, you know, maybe right now. There are still unknowns We're giving Wilson 20 plus mil for four years. Let's say it's four years, 90 million, just to keep the, the hypothetical, even though we hate doing this. If that is the case, I can see Jed wanting to see more. Can Wilson's hamstring hold up? How does the rest of the team look? Do they develop this year? Is 2023 a viable option that's... Worthwhile spending 20 million plus on a catcher? I those are questions that I, that I think are fair. Um, so I can see why Jet is going through this process right now. I can understand it. Now, if Wilson comes out by July, looks healthy, is not starting every day behind the plate, but rather DHing and still getting at bats and performing well, then that conversation becomes different. Where maybe you do want to give that 20 plus mil for four years, and, and it makes sense. But I. I see the thinking process with the front office, and it's an uncomfortable situation having coming off uh, an era where all the core players were dealt. But for for this particular example, I understand it. Catchers are hard to predict. Wilson has been injured. There's a lot of uncertainty with this Cubs team. So I see what they're thinking here.
1: Yeah, and I mean, you know, my last thought on this would be, again, like, I can understand all of that. Part of where I would be a little concerned, and you sort of lean towards those comments about, okay, like, how long is this really going to take, that type of stuff. You don't want to give Javi that kind of money. Okay, like, you can play Nico there, and you have several, like, really good shortstop prospects. So, like, okay, I'm seeing the process there. Explain to me what the process is at the catching position, and I could get on board a little easier but like if you're pointing to Miguel Amaya no offense to him who I'm I'm rooting for and all of that but like that is very far from a, a sure answer. And and well, so that's I think, where I would be like, this seems like a difficult position to fill, man. Like if you've got yeah. a plan, if you're getting back, um, you know, like the Padres are one of those teams, like Campusano is a name that comes up. He's a stud catching prospect. Like, okay, now you're helping me see a clearer picture. But like, unless mm-hmm. it's a move like that, I'm going to ask that question. Like, bro, a, if you're planning on winning in the next couple few years like this is a tough position to fill man and you don't currently have the answers so like what's yeah, it, what's the plan here right and they, they may not have that answer for you if you think from the
0: 2015 to 2016 offseason when they got uh uh or rather the year before that when they got miguel montero they traded to international free asian signings for montero right so you don't know what the market even looks like so it's hard to predict that and then looking at the free asian market for, for catchers for the 2023 season you can kind of squint and see like maybe signing someone like you know like uh austin barnes or tucker barnhart you can see it maybe making sense but to your point that's not a high confident projection either so you do have to weigh the consequences of giving up Wilson and, and anticipating how you can fill that position. So it's part of the conversation. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I see the risk, though, and I think Jed is making the right call doing this. It's uncomfortable, but I see it, and I, I think
1: I agree with it. All right. Yeah. We will see how that plays out. Uh, maybe it becomes a thing. Maybe it doesn't. I don't know. But uh, yeah, anyway, have it on your radar if it's not already. Um, Before we get into some of these other guys, I did just want to note, we we did see Seiya Suzuki out there again today on Sunday. He worked a walk. Um, He got to the plate three times, uh, didn't register a hit in those other two at-bats. But what really stands out is the— the plate discipline in that walk, when oh, O2 yeah. then worked it, uh, I believe it was an eight-pitch walk. And what is particularly something something I just want to draw attention to is, this is what you expect to see from him, in addition to plenty of other uh, really strong attributes. He is bringing over a, a, a command of the strike zone, plate discipline, a lack of of you know chasing and missing pitches out of the zone like this patience and and uh you know a really strong understanding of the strike zone is part of his game which I think is why on Friday when he was rung up twice looking he's going to be patient and he may take some looking strikeouts but it's also why on Friday you kind of saw him immediately looking at the umpire being like hey man like I've got a good idea of what I'm looking at here yeah, and those were him. not strikes. So, um, you know, again, like 0 for 2 with a walk is not, a, 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 a it, it's spring training, but it's, you know, still not like jumping off the page at anybody. But I did want to highlight that walk because the patience and that, that really strong understanding of the strike zone is something you should expect to see throughout this season and his career going forward. And a friend of the podcast, Matt Clapp, pointed out
0: something I found fascinating. In the NPB, He had among the highest fly ball rates in the league, which is rare because typically you don't see heavy contact guys do that. So he made above average contact and he made well above average fly ball contact. So I'm wondering how that translates to the big leagues with that plate discipline. So he kind of has this, you can describe it as like a unicorn type profile in that he hits the ball pretty far hits the ball in the air very often, doesn't whiff that much, and he doesn't swing at that many bad pitches. So you can see how that translates well, and maybe one reason why the the projections do look favorable because he does hit the ball in the air so much and gets a higher likelihood of having extra bases. So yeah, that's a good point, Corey. And I love the attitude that he has, like turning back to the umpires and be like, "Hey, what's what's going on?" In his first week and like what second or third game playing uh, uh, baseball in America, that's that's a huge sign. That's a huge confidence sign, and we know with his interactions with his teammates, he seems really comfortable, like really, really comfortable. And in that first game when he struck out twice, uh, apparently he spent well beyond his allotted time in the batting cages because he was so, quote-unquote, pissed. So I like the attitude. It's just an extra layer of that type of uh, confidence that I personally have in him because he has all the ability to, to make a lot of contact hit the ball in the air a lot, and he has the attitude, it seems like, to go with it.
1: Yeah, and, you know, speaking to the fly ball thing, it's it's certainly a volatile environment at times at Wrigley Field in terms of how the weather is impacting things. If you've been watching the broadcast on Marquee over the last couple years, you know, they've implemented the kind of wind factor and, like, how much the wind mm-hmm. in terms of feet pretty cool. is moving the ball in or out. You're such a nerd. Um, well, you're the one who's bringing it up. I'm I didn't not the say one it was saying cool. it. You're the one yeah, that. Yeah, but said you it was brought cruel. it up. Like,
0: if I was truly the bigger nerd, I would have brought it up. I didn't bring it up. We'll, we'll let the audience like that. debate that.
1: I but. With hitting the fly balls, you know, I remember, like, growing up, and I'm sure he wasn't the first person that said this, but it was the first person I heard say this. You know, Chip Carey would say all the time, like, hit it high and watch it fly, right? So Mm -hmm. it will be interesting for someone that generates so many fly balls. There are a lot of evenings where that particular strategy will play very, very well at Ridley Field.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember from the past few years, like Bryce Harper hit an opposite field fly ball, slammed his bat down thinking it was a, a like a fly out and it went over the fence. So like, yeah, you can definitely see that working out. Um, I wonder how often that happens. Like how many days a year? This is something we should find out. How many days a year is the wind blowing out that much where a fly ball like Harper's would go above the, like, above the wall? That's what we need to find out because that, that, that'd be kind of cool.
1: Yeah, I, I wonder if I'm. I i do not know if that marquee technology is proprietary or not, or if uh, should I ask know, them? Should I like you they, know Tony? If and Draghi, they, like, yeah, hey, we want to do know, a wind study. Yeah, please yeah. let me do it. Was um, yeah, this is the CHGO weather report presented <laughs> by Brendan Miller. Yeah, I used to do the weather forecast.
0: Like I'm, like I like doing the weather forecast. We can, we can mix it in there. Oh, there you go. Forecast. It's a perfect
1: blending of science yeah. and you know how do we get cheap home runs for the Cubs outfielders? <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, I just wanted to kind of note that on Suzuki, because as we're kind of learning who he is and what he's bringing, like that, that that you know, we noted when he first signed that he was coming over from a year where his walk rate was, you know, equal to his strikeout rate. And that's yeah. obviously impressive and, and a type of profile that the Cubs have certainly wanted to get more of in their lineup after, you know, years of having so many pretty heavy K-rate guys. But yeah. um, just in the walk today, going from 0-2, seeing so many pitches, taking an eight-pitch walk, just wanted to, speaking of things putting on your radar, like, his command of the strike zone is something that you're going to be seeing um, and, and should be, as long as he continues to make adjustments and, um, you know, is able to translate his game over to the MLB, um, mm-hmm. you're going to be seeing that, and, and that should be something that should help him be successful. So... Wanted to turn uh, to. We are doing this audio only, so we don't have that really awesome graphic uh, that the production team put together for us of uh, Brendan and his pitching lab coat. I could not believe they made that of me. I that saw was great. It. I, almost, I almost teared off. That yeah, was amazing. Yeah, that was great. Well, it's, I mean, it, you know, and this is one of the things we told all of you listeners here, like when we were joining CHGO, that there was a lot of stuff we were excited about, in, in addition to the team and everybody we'd be working with and the content stream and stuff like that, having a producer to help us, you know, go live and, and do it on YouTube on occasion and make yeah. graphics for us and things like that and pull up Brendan's charts and things like that. And yeah, they got him in a lab coat with a little beaker. I don't know what I you're know. making in that beaker. I don't know if I want to know, but I don't know. Um, it's a secret. Yeah. Anyway, uh, we're, we're going to head in there for a minute here, whatever we're calling your your laboratory. And uh, okay. th- this is one of those things where like, I, I want to ask this and we've preach this for years. If you've listened to us uh, for any amount of time, when we get to spring training, not to look at like the results too much and to always remember, especially with pitchers, like you never know what they're working on. And I know, I think Ryan brought this up uh, on the show when we were talking on Friday about how he he spoke to some of the pitchers, Justin Steele and a bunch of these guys. And, you know, they'll tell you like, yeah, I'm going out to work on this today. Like I'm not, I think he said he asked, uh, I don't remember if it was Steele, but he asked somebody about his changeup. And he said, yeah, I didn't throw that today because I'm just not working on that today. Mm -hmm. And so you always have to keep that in mind. But I I want to, I feel like Knowing that and, and always kind of having that mentality, I wanted to ask about Alec Mills after an outing like Friday, that when you watch on TV and you look at the stat line, it's gross, right? He goes an inning in two-thirds, seven hits, six runs, three of them earned a walk, a strikeout, but he was getting killed. Um, yeah. We had that on in the studio before we went on the air on Friday because we were— uh, you know, trying to watch Suzuki's first plate appearance and just, I mean, rocket after rocket after rocket off the bat. And so what I, what I want to turn to you, Brendan, is like, one, I, I'm, I'm assuming that, you know, as we've just been saying, like a spring training outing isn't that important. But what we did see in that outing is, I think, something that Mills is going to have to look out for, which is when he doesn't have the stuff to get away with too many mistakes. And when the pitches leak over the middle of the plate, you're, you will see results like that. So what I'm turning to you for is... David Ross has said that at least for now, like one of those first opportunities to get starts is going to go to Alec Mills. And we've seen over the years performances from him that warrant him getting that mm-hmm. shot, right? He's, he's played uh, a role on this team for the last couple years, and he's also been willing to do what the team asked of him, right? Even though I think he'd prefer to be starting if they put him in the bullpen, he did it and, you know, was happy to do it. What does he need to do to be successful? And and when you look at an outing like Friday, what is the key for him to avoiding seeing those pitches leak over the middle of the plate and getting results like sure. he did on Friday? What are the keys okay. for Alec Mills to take a starting spot and, and maybe hold on to it for this whole season? Okay,
0: we'll, we'll talk about Mills after we do a break from our sponsor here. The best way to support CHGO is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. If you do that right now, you'll get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but that's not it. If you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker. That's $2,000 In free bets, a free CHGO membership and a free t-shirt from the CHGO locker, all for making a $50 first time deposit at PointsBet. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com and we will help you out. Your home for live in-play betting just got even better. Introducing Point bet's new feature, live college basketball same-game parlay. For the first time ever, you can build a perfect live game same-game parlays only with points that combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. Want more? You can also boost your live same-game parlays, watch live, parlay live, and boost live with PointsBet. And now online signup is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. Plus during PointsBet Match Madness, all users can earn up to $100 in free bets during each round. Just place a $50 pregame wager and get a free $20 live bet to be used for that round. So what are you waiting for once the game starts? Don't just bet live your bet life with points bet gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700
1: and before i turn it back to brendan to break down alec mills want to remind you of all that we are doing at chgo in addition to the cubs content that you are hearing from us and ryan and cody and luke on a daily basis you will get podcasts and live shows for every team Every day, post game shows when the teams are in season. So you will be getting that for the Cubs once they kick things off after opening day. And if you sign up as a member at allchgo.com, you will get access to all of the premium written content going up at that site. You can also get a free shirt when you become a member, and as our good pal Luke Stuckmeyer likes to say, there is dope merch available for all of your favorite Chicago teams. You will also get access to the members-only Discord, the CHGO Lounge, when you sign up to be a member at allchgo.com. So sign up today and get access to that premium written content, again, in addition to the live shows and podcasts that you get in your podcast feed or on YouTube for every team every day. So with that, Brendan, I will seed it back to you and your laboratory. Thank you. Uh, so Mills, you mentioned it, Corey,
0: and I think really it comes down to that foundational aspect. He has little room for error because he does not get that much whiffs. So with him on his start in spring training, yeah, you're going to see him get shelled. Am I worried about that? Can't can't get worried over one spring training outing, to your point. You don't know what they're working on. Could just be a random day. Maybe Mills didn't sleep well that night. So my worry based on that start, it's it's not there. Uh with him, the way he had success last year was by limiting hard contact. And he did that with great command, did that with changing velocities. He has that very slow curveball that he throws 10% of the time that's in the, the mid to upper 60s. So that is a huge velocity separation from his fastball, which is in the upper 80s to low 90s at times. So last year, his barrel percentage rate that he gave up was very small. So 90% of pitchers had worse barrel percentages than Alec Mills. And that corresponded to an expected weighted on base average against that was 75% better than the rest of the league. So he did his part. He limited weak contact. He allowed the defense to make plays and he prevented runs that way. But his strikeout rate, was not good. So 90% of pitchers in the league had better strikeout a better strikeout rate than Alec Mills. So that's where the, the no room for error kind of peaks his head up and kind of scares us a little bit. So can he improve that? Can he improve his ability to get strikeouts? M- maybe. He throws almost exclusively sinkers and four seamers at a rate around uh, 60%. So the other pitches he uses are changeups, sliders, and curveballs. And his change-up, the whiff rate is not the best, although it's commanded very well. And his breaking pitches, you know, he has that curveball, he has that slider, but that curveball is kind of like you know, almost, I don't want to call it a get me over type pitch, but it's used in a similar way to Kyle Hendricks uses that pitch, where it's not going to be used as a wipeout pitch, but it's a use, it's used as a way to keep the batters uh, on their toes. So that's not really a whiff pitch. The slider that he has, if we look at its usage last year, the command isn't the sharpest. There's a lot of variation in where he throws the pitch, and maybe that's intentional. But if you compare it to someone like you know, DeGrom, or you compare it to even like Alzelay last year, there's a clear intent of when and where they throw that pitch. For Mills, you don't really see that intent. It's thrown all over the right portion of the zone. So the way he has success is either one, by continuing what he was doing last year and making slight adjustments against the league in a way that you can maintain that weak contact, although it's very difficult to do that. And then the second way you can have success is you develop maybe that sinker or, or that slider rather. That way you get more whiffs. You limit the contact. You limit potentially, even though you give up not that much hard contact, you still limit that that type of, con- of contact. His slider, and this is the last point, I'll turn it back to you. His slider may have potential to be improved. Maybe it's a sequencing thing, but if we look at his spin-based movement, the axis in which it turns is similar to Marcus Stroman's slider. So it spins at around 9 o'clock. You can look, look at your watch and, and, and envision this. And in comparison, his sinker spins at 3 o'clock. So you have this drastic differentiation between those two pitches, which is what Stroman has. Um, and that's why Stroman's breaking pitch is It gets So maybe there's a way, maybe Stroman and Mills can talk to each other. Maybe there's a sequencing thing they can do. Maybe there's a way that you can change location in which you throw your slider that makes it more effective. So I think either one, to summarize here, one, you just keep continuing weak contact um, and hoping that your command stays sharp or two, you actually have to improve a secondary pitch. But for a fifth starter or fourth starter, you know, expectations, if you're even slightly below league average, even slightly below league average, it's still, I think, Acceptable when you start piggybacking um, multiple innings from your bullpen.
1: If if we're looking at maybe right now, it's Alec Mills, Justin Steele, and maybe you know if he can get ramped up and stretched out, Drew Smiley. Yeah, is there one of those guys that is particularly the most interesting to you? If you were were telling fans hey, I, like if this guy gets a shot, there's the potential that this is the most exciting of the group. Is is one of them the answer for you? Oh, yeah. It's Justin Steele, right?
0: Big lefty, throws mid-90s. Already has a slider that moves way more than your average lefty, and he developed a curveball last year. So he's already showing the capacity to adjust and then develop more pitches. So he's kind of in that same tier as Adbert Alzulai in that you don't know how much better he's going to get, and that excites me. And he already has the stuff that Mills naturally doesn't have but what steel doesn't have that mills does have right now is that sharp command but for me I always kind no of yeah, and the no hitter well for now so for me like I'm always going to default to that type of stuff um, and stuff can be sequencing it can be like what Kyle Hendricks does it doesn't have to be like mid 90s and sharp breaking pitches and everything, but it's the the way you work off that fastball, which makes Hendricks so well. And I think Justin Steele also has that potential to work his breaking pitches and his secondary pitches really well off that fastball, which gets me excited.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, I I think all of that is fair. I, I really just wanted to talk about it because you know you see an outing like friday and you know mills is is because of the 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 nature of how he pitches in his stuff like that's that's kind of how it is a lot of the time like there's going to be great outings and there's going to be blow up outings um and i just thought coming off of friday it was a good opportunity to kind of put everything that we've talked about like you know you don't want to read too much into spring training you don't know what they're working on but you know, some people may look at that and, and be concerned about whether, yeah, you know, or not Mills can can do the job and should be getting starts, et cetera, et cetera. So I think just good to uh, dig into how he can be successful and, um, you know, be a good back-end member of this rotation.
0: Are you Are you worried about Mills?
1: Does that start worry you? No, I mean, I, okay. I, no, I would be quite the hypocrite if I cared about spring training and <laughs> how much over the years I've railed against paying attention to spring training. So no. Okay. Um but, but you know, highlight he's just highlight the potential
0: of what could go wrong.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. just, again, like it, it was the type of outing where you, you you know, again, like you don't have the overpowering stuff. And so when the command isn't there, it's going to get killed and the Rockies yeah. were feasting on it. So, uh, yeah, I think a good opportunity to dig into like, how do we avoid this? What can he best do to be successful? But no, and and again, like, you know, if, the, if this team was, um, you know, very, very serious about winning the World Series, which I don't think that they are at the moment. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I would love him being uh, the four or wherever he, he may slot in, but I do think that, you know, kind of like Ross has said, like he's he's played a role on this team for the last couple of years, and I think um, it's, it's good to see guys who— who do that get rewarded with an opportunity to kind of take things to the next level. Whether he does that is up to him and, and the pitching staff and, and the coaching and how they best go about these game plans, but it is always good to see a guy who's played a role and, and done what's asked of him and, and delivered some some good results at times Get that get that shot. So, yeah. Um, want to transition to somebody who hit two home runs today, uh, some very long home runs, and that would be one Patrick Wisdom. And where I want to go with Wisdom is, is actually kind of a, a similar discussion. Um, you know, he's looked at as— the third baseman or part of a third base situation, maybe with Jonathan VR. We kind of have to see what David Ross is exactly going to do there. And we're actually going to talk about Jonathan VR after we talk about Wisdom. Um, but, you know, really just I, I feel like we haven't focused too much on Patrick because he's been one of the kind of few guys we we sort of just knew was going to get some playing time on this team. And as the lockout was going and they were kind of constructing this roster he was not really one of the questions. I don't think how many games he plays or exactly where uh, is something that's yet to be seen. But, you know, we knew he was going to be in the plans coming off of the season that he did last year, setting the Cubs rookie home run record and all of that stuff. Um, Hit two home runs today. He had spoken to uh, Megan Montemuro with the Tribune pre-lockout ending uh, that he had made some tweaks to his swing and stuff, and you documented a lot over the the 2021 season the kind of issue that he saw with the rising K rate. It was 40.8 percent his strikeout rate last year, which is quite high, uh, mm-hmm. and it was a lot of velocity up in the zone, which was you know sort of the. Uh, key point for him, and and you know an adjustment that he clearly needs to make. So when you're looking at him coming into this season, firstly, I'm curious if when you watch these home runs today, now that we're getting footage of him out in Mesa, do you notice uh, a mechanical change, or is it something that you know we can all see on TV, or is it a little more subtle than that? And similar to Mills, like. What does he have to do to continue the success that he saw? And, I, and I'll preface your answer by saying, like, he had a almost 41% strikeout rate, but, you know, and he, he only hit for a 231 average, but in terms of some of these advanced metrics, right, like he did pop 28 home runs, he had a 115 WRC+. plus was worth 2.3 wins above replacement so even with that kind of astronomical strikeout rate he was a productive player and in terms of what the cubs are doing this year that's what they're looking for guys who can be above average at a position and produce for them Mm. so what does he have to do to continue that success are there ways for him to cut down that k rate and still be successful what are we looking at with patrick wisdom here
0: well the the big gap in his game right now is those high fastballs you mentioned it right there so his weighted on base average against fastballs up in the zone, even within the zone or up above the zone, was 160 last year. And his expected weight on base average was essentially the same. There was no deviation. So that that is the hole in his game. But to Patrick's credit, he hit pitches down in the zone, kind of like what David Bodie did. But what he did better than David Bodie was also hit secondary pitches. So Sliders, he had a positive run value against Sliders last year. So for Wisdom, it kind of comes down to the degree to which he'll struggle against high fastballs, because that's that's a hard thing to adjust against. And can he do it? Of course, you hope he does it, but not many players can do that successfully. That's how difficult it is to hit in this league. So with Wisdom, even if you bring that weighted on base average against fastballs up in the zone from like 160, let's say to like 220, 250, that may have a profound effect on his run production if he continues to hit pitches down in the zone well and lay off pitches outside the zone. So, I mean, last year, if we look at his barrel percentage, better than 93% of the league. If we look at his max exit velocity, same exact thing. Where he struggles against, of course, is is that whiff rate. So, he had the basically the worst whiff rate in the league with a few other players kind of in that tier. So that's where it comes down to. Can you make more contact? And if you don't, that's fine. You can still survive whiffing that much. You just have to slug the way that he did. You still have to hit potentially 30 plus home runs to be a positive run producer, which some guys do do it. It's, it's definitely possible. With Patrick, if he ends up being you know, a league average run producer... With that defense at third base, with that arm at third base, he had an outs above average of uh better than 80% of the league last year. That is really, really valuable. But we've gone through this with David Bodie recently, where we knew what the problem was, was high fastballs. Bodie struggled to adjust. Wisdom, hopefully it's a little bit different, but you do have to think, okay, if he can't adjust against high fastballs, what will that do to his run production? But what gives me kind of some comfort is well you know at least he hits pitches down in the zone and breaking pitches down down in the zone and right now that does not appear to be a big problem
1: yeah and I mean not that you were comparing them directly but just to the Bodie comparison we never saw Bodie successfully hit bombs the way that Patrick Wisdom did yeah Bodie was always an exit below guy and he hit some home runs but like Patrick when when guys did get the ball over the plate, you know, in a spot that he could hit it, he was killing it.
0: Right. I mean, they're both low ball hitters, right? Like that's, I mean, not many, first off, if we look at the type of power Wisdom produced last year, not many players in the league did what he did. So that speaks volume that Bodie was, Bodie never did that. Bodie definitely had his stretches and of course the clutch home runs, but like Bodie never came close to doing what Wisdom did. So then to your, to your point, like what is he trying to do? The changes look subtle it looks as if during spring he may be sitting deeper in his stance, and it reminded me of what Chris Bryant did over the years when we were talking with his coach and father, Mike Bryant. So with Chris, they kind of fluctuated with the depth in which he sat in his stance. Sometimes KB looked like he was squatting a little bit deeper. Sometimes he looked as if he were more upright. So with Wisdom, it looks like right now he's a little bit deeper in his batting stance, and does that allow him to get to high fastballs? I don't know. Chris Bryant tried to go more upright in 2020 during the COVID season. That did not work out well. He went to being a little bit more crouched in 2021. That did work out a little bit better, but it's still kind of a a thing that even former MVPs are, are toying with to try to get to high fastballs. So at least right now, at least Patrick's going through that adjustment process and thinking, how do I get to high fastballs? And this is just part of the process.
1: Yeah. And I, I mean, obviously we, I I think we're rooting for all of these guys. I mean, we want the Cubs to be good and, and so many of them have good and and interesting stories, but I don't know if you watched that, um, the video that Cubs Productions produced for their YouTube channel, um, with Patrick Wisdom at home. We've seen those in the past. They did one with Lester where he was like in the, in the deer stand hunting. And I think there was perhaps the best one. Yeah. Well, duh. Um, you don't have to tell me, (laughs) um, just watching it and, and Patrick talking about his routine and his journey, you know, uh, that he's been on starting with the St. Louis organization and how he deals with, you know, his, his mental health and, and his mindset and things like that. He's an easy guy to root for um, and seeing his family, his relationship with uh, his daughters, like it's, it's very easy to want this guy to continue to see the success that he saw in 2021 maybe that's a great smile too yeah yeah
0: i mean yeah i i felt the same look i feel the same way about most of these players even david Bodie. it's it sucks that right now with all the injuries and the trouble adjusting like david Bodie had a great story came up he almost quit baseball got his 15 mil and, and and made it so you want these guys to succeed and wisdom's just another one of those guys that you hope succeeds and yeah, I hope I hope he does. It's it's just hard, it's hard to get confidence in in any player who's not like a perennial All Star because this is how hard baseball is. It's yeah. really hard to adjust.
1: When I was going to ask you, I mean, obviously, there's not like a particularly like quantifiable way of answering this. This type of question, but I was, you sort of touched on it, but I was going to ask, like, how realistic is it for a guy to even make this type of change? Like, how frequent can a guy be really bad against a particular type of pitch and make the adjustment to kind of root out that hole in his game? you don't see it that often if you saw it that often then we wouldn't be having this conversation
0: right i mean right. You think of recent examples like josh donaldson made the change uh going even back further jose bautista mike trouts made a change against high fastballs but he's like a generational talent kb did make the change but he's a former mvp um you know rizzo's made changes against inside fastballs by moving closer to the plate so it does happen sometimes it's random sometimes you get the right coach involved when in rizzo's case it was eric hinsky um but it's hard. I mean, even Corey, even Javi made the necessary changes with it's kind of funny because we've not bashed him, but you know, the sum of this work was not the greatest with Chili Davis. Like Chili Davis did allow Javi to make his stance more upright, open up open him up a little bit, and Javi had his best year as a result. So it does happen. It's just a rarity.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh I think that's fair. So it's it's going to be interesting to watch with with Patrick and and you know really just seeing how often he's playing at third, if he's uh spelling Frank at first base at all. We I know we saw that in the 2021 season. And yeah, I mean a, a big key is, you know, can he adjust to the way that pitchers attack him and and what that does to his overall numbers. So that is something to look for. Another player, uh, because he's on the Cubs, we are rooting for him. Uh, Jonathan Br. I feel like we haven't really talked about him too much because, um, you know, his signing was amongst that kind of flurry of moves the Cubs were making. Spring training was starting again. There was just a lot going on. And, you know, a, a, a versatile, valuable player, uh, but, you know, doesn't—I'm I, I, not necessarily— surprised or or judging anyone for not being overly excited about Jonathan VR, But I I think he's going to be a a solid contributor to this team. He's coming off a 105 WRC plus in 505 plate appearances for the Mets, uh, can play kind of all over the field. um, And it's, you know, he's another one of those guys who it's going to be interesting to see how David Ross deploys him. And in what situations he's using him, who he's playing over on particular days, things like that. Um, but I, I think that Cubs fans are going to—he's he, a—he's a valuable player. Um, what role he'll play, we'll see. But I think this was a, a solid kind of under the radar kind of ad for Jed. Um, Everyone—it w- was also at the time where everyone was hoping for Correa or you know Trevor Story or things like that and you know that that's fair and you know that we were maybe aiming a little higher but not necessarily a reason to not be intrigued or at least interested sure. in the signing of someone like VR
0: sure so it's a good comparison because we were just talking about Patrick Wisdom's inability at the current moment to hit high fastballs. So VR is not the greatest at hitting high fastballs, but he does have a weight on base average against the same pitches uh, of 250, right? So that's where the comparison comes in with, with Wisdom. Maybe you have a pitcher on the mound that is a super high fastball guy, has tons of carry on the pitch. And if you just play your percentages, maybe that day Wisdom does not play. Maybe that's VR's day. So the flexibility Ross has, not only with VR at third base, but the ability to then move him to shortstop or second base. Or for some reason, if Frank, if the matchup does not suit Frank well that day, to your point, Corey, you have Wisdom, go to first base, and then you have VR, go to third base. And we're not even talking about what they do with Alfonso Rivas at first base and even in the outfield as well. So the flexibility that VR creates and the ability, because he can fill multiple infield positions where you can move around even Rivas to the outfield, because now you have this flexibility, is huge. And it makes just watching this team, although there's a lot of uncertainty, of course we wanted them to spend more money. Of course you wanted Correa. This is where the intrigue for me comes into play, because Ross... Got his wish. He wanted to emulate, and he just emphasized this, he wanted to emulate uh, the Giants' template. So you have a chance here. Maybe not as uh, perfect as the Giants did, but you do have a chance to mix and match, play the matchups, get guys... Of bats in a consistent way by moving them around a lot. So that's where I see VR's value come into play. And he doesn't have splits against lefties or righties, at least from last year. So against righties, 321 Woba against lefties, 316 Woba. So I don't know what that means for Ross's intention of playing him, but at least he can play against multiple handed pitchers, and that also might come into play. And another message from our sponsor, PointsBet. If you enjoy CHGO, one way to help us continue to grow is to download the PointsBet app and use code CHGO when you sign up. Not only are you going to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000, but if you make a $50 or more first-time deposit, you'll receive a free CHGO membership which unlocks all of our web content, and you'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO Locker. If you have any questions, email pointsbet at allchgo.com, and we'll help you out. And in case you missed it, online signup is available in Illinois you can actually download the PointsBet app right now and register your account from start to finish all from your phone. You'll be signing up with the fastest sportsbook easier than ever so you can start living your bet life in seconds. So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet, live your bet life with PointsBet. Gambling problem call 1-800-522-4700.
1: All right, so you know, as we kind of uh... I guess already kind of veer towards the end of spring training, you can kind of start looking into things. And I, I don't know if the lineup we saw on Sunday, Brendan, is indicative of anything, but interesting to look at nonetheless. Ortega leading off, Suzuki hitting second, Frank third, Wilson, then Hap, then Hayward, then VR then Wisdom, and then Madrigal at second base. So obviously, no Nico, you're certainly going to see him. But, you know, just one of those things, like, even if he, like, I, Suzuki is in there at second, at the very least, um, to make sure he's getting plate appearances, right? Yeah. Like, you you need well, you these never guys. Know.
0: He may, he may best second in the lineup, you never
1: know. Right, he's that's kind of, kind of, kind of what I'm getting at. Like, yeah. maybe that we're, we're hoping to kind of be able to read the tea leaves and kind of like, figure out what Ross is thinking. But because you want these guys in there so they can get two to three plate appearances and then get out and you know get it back into the trainer's room get home whatever it's a little harder because you're you're never really sure but interesting to to look at the lineup today and and kind of think on whether that might be something uh, that goes on or not and then you know we continue to kind of watch these peripheral roster moves we talked about it on Friday when we were kind of looking over Jordan Bastion's um roster prediction and you know if they're going to carry a certain number of pitchers it it means that the position player group is going to have to be trimmed a little bit um I I know that you know we're I think we're both very hopeful that uh Hermosillo gets that look um you know he had a little league home run the other day that was fun his helmet flies off as he's flying (laughs) around the bases um but yeah, just uh, a- as we're looking at things and-, and maybe getting to the point where they're going to have to make decisions, I-, I-, I, am- I am hopeful. And I think this is, you know, it's-, it's interesting to see as we talk with Luke, Cody, and Ryan Moore, like what are kind of constants amongst all five of us. And uh, I think Jared, too. Uh, so maybe all six of us. Um, Justin Steele is certainly one of them. Everybody's p- big on Justin Steele, as you should be. And I think wanting Hermosillo to get a look out there, a real yeah, honest look um, in, in center or you know, w- one of the corner spots, if that's where it is, that seems to be a, a pr- pretty consistent opinion across the board.
0: It, it is. And we'll see how the outfield situation shapes up with Clint Frazier having a minor league option. But I think also listening to you guys talk about Clint Frazier last week, we want to see more of him as well. We want to see what that bat looks like because he has that former top prospect status. You mentioned to Corey on that show, but even Cashman described his uh, his bat speed as like legendary. So high praise, and you can still see the bat speed on display, even with the Cubs during spring training. So with Hermosillo, I want to see more of him, and we'll see what happens. But my concern is right now, Love Jason Hayward, the attitude, the leadership, the ability to maybe mentor some of these young guys. But my concern is that his playing time will will stall or hinder the opportunities and development of someone like Hermosillo, who's older himself. But still, even Ross today mentioned about Hermosillo. He's a quality defender. In fact, Ross said, quote, he's a good athlete, probably our better center fielder as far as just metrically measuring out end quote. So Ross recognizes that Hermosillo is the best defender on the team in center field. So what does that mean for Ortega even? Although Ortega is likely going to make the team because he has so much success last year. He's a lefty. He slotted in more than likely. I hope Hermosillo makes the team. I want to see more of him. The story just, of course, from Chicago, big Sammy Sosa fan growing up, we all can relate to it. So it adds to the entertainment value of that But if you're trying to put your best roster out there, from just a player standpoint, I think it's hard to argue that Hermosillo is going to be off the team. Because even your manager said you're the best defender. And you saw the the home run potential and the overall athleticism and the ability to hit the ball far. You didn't see that with Hayward last year. But to counter that point... You're know, going to have Brennan Davis come up soon. You're going to have Nelson Velasquez come up soon. You do have a younger team, perhaps. And you do value that type of leadership and mentorship that Hayward does provide in the way to quantify that is you get these guys in positions to do adjust. You get them in a mindset that you can successfully incorporate these adjustments. And Hayward may be part of that. We're able to now have these young players be put in a mindset that allows them to quickly adjust. So I understand that value as well. I just... I'm worried that we're going to see Hermosillos at bats taken away or playing time completely scrapped as a result.
1: Yeah, we talked about that on Friday and it's you know it's gonna be something to keep an eye on. I mean that's clearly you know, we have to get official word on who's starting opening day and if Wade Miley is going to be ready to go you know come that first turn in the rotation or you know he's just a little bit behind veteran kind of you know just getting on the right track he's healthy and everything but um we have to see who's getting officially those last two spots is it Alec Mills and Justin Steele or how are they going to shake out those uh you know first week or two weeks of of starts and things like that the bullpen, like, you know, maybe a, a little clearer picture, but yeah, that outfield situation is is really kind of that that big, what are they going to do in terms of the roster? I think more so than any other area on this team, so that's going to be something to keep an eye on. One last thing before we sign off, Brendan, I, I will just say I know some of these guys are, are far away, but being even in the 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 video from minor league camp you know that we're getting like being able to see um some of these guys get some time in these games like Owen Casey was in the major league spring training game yesterday like Mm -hmm. we saw James Triantos get in there last week like just even though these guys are not particularly close to Wrigley Field, like just seeing them in there with the regular guys and it's in awesome. the Cubs uniform, it's it's a lot of fun. I gotta say,
0: it's so much fun. We saw Ed Howard today have two bases. James Triantos looked great out there. Uh, Triantos is 19 years old. He just turned 19 a month ago, and he's already doing this against advanced competition. So, I I, I always say this, but for me, sprint training is the most fun part of the year because we see this sort of thing happen and we saw Brennan Davis earlier in camp and he had a nice home run so that's where the excitement comes in and it's a nice reminder as you watch some of these current big leaguers and you hope they adjust and we're going to continue to have these conversations about Patrick Wisdom and Frank Schwindel and Hermosillo and how VR fits in but when you see Triantos and even Preciado in minor league camp and all these guys we're discussing when they go on your TV it is a nice reminder like oh All right, like you know, we have two different conversations to talk about here. One is the current big league team, but look at our farm system, where some actually suggest by midseason they could be a top five system, and you clearly see why.
1: Yeah, and that's and that's something to, in addition, you know, to things to keep an eye on. That that's one of them too. And I and I know that the focus is so much on the system and building that next great Cubs team, but. You know when you this is a big year for the system for for many reasons but in terms of how quickly this process goes and how soon we see that next grade cubs team a lot of these guys taking that next step, moving up a level and showing that they can play at that level and producing and, you know, like you said, like where they rank in terms of a system and where all these prospects rank come the middle of this season, that's big not just for those players individually and where they fit into potential plans as the Cubs go forward here, but at some point you you probably assume that Jed maybe swings some of these guys for controllable pitching or... You keep saying that. You've been you saying know, that for the past I, well, like seven Well, he said months. it. Yeah, <laughs> he know. said he was going to do it, so I'm, I'm still we didn't. I'm surprised we didn't see
0: it this offseason. I thought we'd get, we would get it for at least one guy, but right. yeah, like I'm interested too, but maybe it doesn't happen, Corey. Maybe these all come up and they win another another World Series, you know?
1: That that would be lovely. However they want to go about it, let's just get to that point as quickly as possible, but that's that's kind of what I was getting at, that like this yeah. is a big year for a lot of these guys. If you see like all the guys that we've been hyping up and that you're reading about on the, the, you know, wonderful prospect coverage that's all over, you know, Cubs social media and the Cubs blogs and things like that. If a lot of these guys continue to make those strides and, you know, like Triantos is a good example where they draft him, he's coming out of high school and a lot of people, you know, could kind of tell with the pick that the Cubs are very high on him. And then what he goes out and does, you know, over his, the, the short period and especially in the fall league, like, you know, he's raising eyebrows. Allows, right, And if that type of stuff keeps happening with these guys, again, it improves the timeline for those players if the Cubs bring them up and develop them and they play for the Cubs, but it also builds that ability for Jed to maneuver things around and... And, you know, we're hype on these guys and I, you know, I don't want to see them get traded necessarily, but the whole point of this entire exercise, right? Like going back to the Udarvis trade is to build the organization as a whole, not necessarily just in terms of having younger talent that you're envisioning at Wrigley Field, but so that the entire operation is healthier, right? And part of that is having a deep prospect system so that you can make moves for the major league team if those opportunities present themselves. So as you watch these guys, like this is a big year for the organization and and hoping these guys continue to take those strides.
0: And for me too, even hearing about Nelson Velasquez, I forgot about Nelson Velasquez because you heard so much about Peter Crow Armstrong. You heard so much about Preciado and Triantos and Ed Howard and some of these other top prospects, even Brilliant Marquez coming back. I forgot about Nelson Velasquez. And in AA last year, he had over a 400 weighted on base average. And then he tore up the AFL with Caleb Killian throwing like a no-hitter in that championship game. So you're going to get the long-term prospects and all the coverage and the hype for a 2023-2024 timeline. But within months, like maybe weeks, Nelson Velasquez's name may come up. Brennan Davis's name may come up. Caleb Killian's name will come up. And you already have a little bit of a flow coming in this year immediately. So you you still have so much to cover and so many players to watch, and it's exciting. It's it's a weird time because you wanted the Cubs to make more moves, but this is why I keep coming back saying I'm intrigued by this season because if everything goes well, which is not likely going to happen— you can see them kind of sneaking their way into the 82 wins, and that's partially because maybe you have Brennan Davis come up and be successful, and Nelson Velasquez come up and be successful, and maybe this is another outfield jam situation we'll be talking about in May.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, plenty to uh, be monitoring and to be interested and intrigued about. And we will uh, keep an eye on it. So as always, you know, you'll be hearing from Cody, Ryan and Luke uh, every day throughout the week. And soon enough, Brendan and I will be back to twice a week when we actually have games to talk about. And in the meantime, you know, Brendan and I, as we have been, will be popping in the studio, uh, Brendan remotely with his, his pitch doctor graphic and whatever we're calling that. But uh, that is about what we have for you. So as always, thank you for listening. We will talk to you again soon. And as we always end with, go Cubs!